Welcome to NFT Stees, a weekly podcast that delves into NFTs, culture, crypto, and all things Web3. I'm Ray, head of markets at Cointelegraph, and my co-host, Alyssa Exposito, is a freelance writer in all things blockchain, Web3, and NFTs. Each week, we bring on the brightest minds and the busiest builders to discuss the evolution of crypto, art, and new trends emerging in the Web3 space. Welcome to NFT Steez. We are so excited today. Today, we're going to discuss all things self-sovereign identity and universal profiles in Web3. All right, I'm going to introduce our lovely guest, Marjorie. Marjorie Hernandez is a Caracas-born entrepreneur, architect, and strategist. Her career oscillated with developing ideas and concepts for globally renowned artists and creative agencies, and one of the big four. Prior to Luxo, an EVM-compatible blockchain built on Casper and focused on the new creative economy, she established and manages EY's Digital Innovation Lab in Berlin. Throughout her work, Marjorie Hernandez has explored ideas and advantages coming from the junction of design and technology, and with her form and innovation-driven reasoning, she has become a transformational leader in the tech fashion environment. She converges and nurtures the emerging digital fashion ecosystem and has co-founded the Dematerialized, which is an experiential Web3 marketplace for fashion NFTs powered by the Luxo blockchain. As a co-founder and managing director of Luxo, Marjorie Hernandez is bringing blockchain technology to its next frontier and creating new use cases across creative economies and disrupting formerly disconnected silos of creative production and industries. With all that, that is incredibly impressive. And I am so excited to get into what self-sovereign identity means, what are the use cases for universal profiles, and what are the impact of blockchain-based identities in the creator economy. All right. Nice to meet you, Marjorie. It's a pleasure um, chatting with you. So I know we're short on time, so I'm just going to jump straight into it. Can you share with me what your perspectives are on where we were, say, 2020 to 2021 uh, through 2022 now, and where we currently are and where we might be going in the NFT sector in terms of like art, collecting, innovation, and utility? Awesome question. In terms of where we were and where we're going, I think, you know, what we have experienced in the last years, obviously, since uh, NFTs first emerged uh, at the end of 2015, the beginning of 2016, is basically a progression of something very natural, of something that was already historically happening, which is the demand of consumption. And I think what we are to have the technology in order to power a Twitter economy. And in that greater economy, we understand that one of the most, if it's not the most important thing, is what is the source of the artwork, what is the source of the product, who is the author. And, you know, we understand the risk of the platform and of specifically centralized platforms and believing and understanding that we are moving to a platformless future. Uh, it is uh, it, essential to have a swarm of that entity that is in control of the creator. It is like not with the platforms and it allows to to interact uh, as creators and users in this in this new world that we are collectively building. So I think where we were is that uh, we were at the beginning and uh, of a very exciting progression and of a very exciting future. So I think, you know, what's happening now, I think uh, as we move forward, you know, at least not as been since we started four years ago, to truly feel those key pieces of technology that we identify were missing and they were not being, were going to be super, super essential 
for for the community and for the creators uh, as we continue to progress and as we continue to see uh, all of these things becoming more and more and more uh, mainstream. So where we are now is that blockchain is about, you know, it's, uh, we had a better launch a couple of weeks ago and we're continuing progressing in the development of, of, of the pieces of technology that we, we believe are fundamental and specifically the universal profile. And in that sense, I think uh, we are about to see a big shift and change in terms of how how users are able to interact with chain and co- be in control of their assets and as well as creators of how they're able to issue their IP and their, and their work. I like that answer. And I asked that question first because in late 2020 and early 2021, there was a lot of discussion about digital identity and creating more immersion and interplay between the digital self and one's, you know, like in real life self. And there was also an equal amount of talk about how NFTs can catalyze socialization and identity projection and so on. We discussed the power of being anon, you know, being anonymous and the advantages of that for those who are into NFTs and from different communities that might not have, you know, where people might not feel comfortable showing their true face, true self, true like gender preference or any of that. So. You know, there was a lot of talk about NFTs being this this way of like giving people access and agency without like having to be subjected to any sort of stereotype or discrimination or even internal anxieties that people might have. So fast forward to this year, and there hasn't really been much talk of that, although a ton of progress and building has taken place. Like you said, The space is expanding and it's growing tremendously and exploring new areas. But I personally feel that the core conversation and ideas of like NFT digital identity and NFT utility are still worth emphasizing. So can you explain how universal profiles may serve as a solution or a catalyst for this? Yeah, totally. And I mean, back to what you were saying in terms of think, uh, that NFTs offer this this avenue for people who doesn't necessarily want to express or de- display or or show their true self. I will argue that it's quite uh, the opposite of that. I think you know in in the physical world we are limited by a set of like predispositions with which we are born and like you know political location, gender. Uh, ethnicity, etc., the the biases that people might project on us based on those things, and I think in this dematerialized, decentralized digital environment that we are creating, we are actually able to move beyond these predispositions and then express what I will consider to be our true real self. So I will argue it's not the uh, people don't want to express the real self, but quite the opposite is actually they expressing the true real self. Uh, because it's a self that is 100% under your control and under your uh, kind of like it's your authorship, right? And it has nothing to do with things that you you didn't get to decipher. So in terms of like our identity, right? We just know in these decentralized environments, we need to have an identity. And we know the risk of the platform. We know it won't work if your livelihood is the way you monetize your IP and your creation is depending on a platform. That's the opposite of any sort of a freedom and, and, and personal security in a personal economy, right? So what we need to have, what we need to have is a, a solution, a technological solution, kind of like a, an advantage in a, in a, in a progression 
in which we are in control, in which we can determine how that identity manifests and exists and how that identity has a to act if it is as a creator and as a user. And I think one of the things of the creator economy is that that relationship between um, creator and user is that we will both have both roles simultaneously in different moments at different points in time. So your profile is almost, you can imagine it like it's your personal OS. It's like the place from which you identify yourself. You can have several identities depending of, of different parts of your interests and personality and from which you can, you can receive, you can authenticate yourself, you can identify yourself, you can receive assets, but you can also create assets, right? So it's like this, 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 this kind of like Swiss army type of tool that is serving so many purposes for the user, right? And I think, you know, Luxo, we have an opinion and a point of view on that, you know, that is yet to be proven by, by the community if this is the, the proposition that they like and that they will adopt. But ultimately, we know, you know, the end goal we all know we need from sort of digital identifier that has nothing to do with the, with the identity that the government, that, that our respective governments are giving us, but it's the identity that we are creating for ourselves in the digital environment. And that it has to have different levels of flexibility. So that's what Locke is proposing. Obviously, we have built, you know, an array of interfaces that allow users to 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 interact with the with the smart contracts behind the proposition of the universal profile. Obviously, we are running this awesome hackathon in which we invite the community to build and start integrating uh, universal profiles in their projects. You know, my. My second venture that materialized uh, was, and it is today, the first, the first startup to ever implement universal profiles. And it was one of the things that truly allowed us at the beginning, when we started in December of 2020, to truly onboard people who were not part of the Web3 movement yet. And because it was so simple and so unintimidated for users to enter this world, to create a universal profile, to transact, to receive an NFT, to be part of the community and interact. All of a sudden, we have a, a large array of people who bought the first NFT via the dematerialized, right? And I think for us, you know, especially my personal mission has always been to make it accessible. I believe uh, technology has to be invisible or beautiful or ideally both at the same time. And then, you know, allowing for the air, the user to enjoy what are the benefits of free and, you know, as we always say, people don't wake up feeling their day is going to be super centralized, but we do understand the limitations that the platform provides for us. And we do understand also as users, the, the complexity of the current Web3 journey. So those are the things that Locks really proposed in being truly user-centric, making sure that we are creating pieces of technology that allows users around the globe to enter the space, to start building application, to, to, to enjoy it, to have fun and to feel exciting cool products and that's ultimately our, our, our motivation and the reason why we're doing the universal profiles. So I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yes. Wow, Marjorie, thank you so much for um, that. I feel like you've answered quite a few of our uh, questions, but when you do speak of like user-centric uh, and it's interesting because throughout the communities, I have spoken to different people who told me that Luxo made, um, you know, this technology and the blockchain and universal profile and digital identity, something tangible, something that they could actually reach to and uh, not just conceptualize, but actually act upon. 
So can we backtrack a bit? And for those who are perhaps um, new to what digital identities are or even what self-sovereignty is, can you perhaps just give us a very simple understanding of what self-sovereignty is for our listeners who may not be familiar? And in some ways, how is it important for people now to begin developing the Black-based identities, especially if they're creators? Yeah, 100%. I mean, basically, it's an identity based percent of the job control that you are the only person who can create it modify it and and control it right and it cannot be taken away from you right like there is you know uh, an array of content creators who have been you know uh, you know canceled and then they lose access to the platforms and like instead of controlling their content exactly right? exactly or youtube or any of these platforms right these are these are privately or companies and they do have the right of limit access to the users if they decide so but we understand that we're moving to a future in which consumption and media and information is primarily transmitted in mediums such as that you know the platforms they arrived in the web 2 kind of like era and we understand okay this was great we learned it we saw as i think the web is something that is just developing and kind of like it's growing and we are living with the consequences of decisions that were taken and then we understand now we need an identity that is independent and agnostic from those platforms that is under five months more solely, right? And as a creator, somebody who is a content creator, a, you know, a journalist, a fashion designer, an artist, a musician, that identity is not only who you are in many ways in your life, but it's also the place that holds most of your IP. And if a platform have the ability to take that away from you, it's a very dangerous proposition because it, it, it's worse than any state that we know so far, right? It's like the power, it, the, the limits are, and you know, the state is still subject to certain, to certain rules, whereas as a corporation, you do have a lot of agency to do pretty much what you want in terms of like who can access your, your platforms. So I think in that sense, we understand that it needs to be a progression. We need an alternative. This is part, you know, this has been a stepping stone. What we had in Web2, it was great for a period of time. But, you know, what we're looking into the future and that growth and that potential, we know this cannot be the way. So effectively, as a user, as a creator, you need to own that identity because that identity is the source of the value of your IP. And it's also the place where you will hold your asset, right? So as a user and as a creator, that identity is equally important. And I think this is something, and, and you know, when we started Luxo, it was interesting when we were explaining problems to people or to VCs and, and things like that. Um, it was not such a widespread kind of like conversation. And, uh, and our argument was like, I think we're just solving a problem that people don't necessarily know they have yet. Because we are so happy that we're getting all of these services for free that we forget there's not such a thing as a free service. You're just paying in one form or another, right? And the way we're paying is by just giving a lot of our rights away, from giving our autonomy away, from giving our privacy away. And, and that's the transaction that is happening. And I think the more conscious we understand that there's actually an invisible transaction is happening and that we do need to potentially have the opportunity, if we want that, to take the power back, you um, yeah. start to do that. And I think that's part of what uh, having a self-sovereign identity means. It seems like um, the focus that you particularly have is in fashion and with the dematerialized, democratizing fashion and perhaps making it more accessible for users. But can you provide us and our listeners and examples of where, when, and perhaps how 
these blockchain-based identities can potentially revolutionize not only the creator economy in the creative sense, uh, but perhaps at like future organizational, educational, and even governmental levels. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, in terms of, you know, the dematerialized, yes, we have a, a strong focus in, in fashion, obviously putting culture and in lifestyle consumption in general. It's really like fashion was one of the first things that we start exploring, one of the first like segments where we are have a, a big interest in. Um, but in general, how we see it is that in the future, applications are going to be very thin. Are going to be very thin layers of basically a beautiful interface that is curated and gives you access to a specific array of content or products or a service. Uh, but the big chunk of it, the big part of technology is going to be all of these different protocols, right? There are power in different economic interactions. And in that sense, you know, these, these components that they seem so simple and so obvious are the, the key uh, stepping stones and the, the key, the key building blocks that make power all of different interactions in this, in this, in this future that we all are like, not even this future. So it was like a, like a parallel reality to this physical reality that, that we know and, and have lived since the beginning of our life. So I think it's just, um, to understand that it's not as much of this, it's this fashion or it's art or it's the creator economy or it's an other economy or it's a government or it is a, a newspaper or whatever it might be. It's just understanding that, uh, what we have, the way we act in the world is like, it's a brand, an institution, an university. They are all in some shape or another of an identity, right? And the reputation of an institution, the reputation of a brand is part of identity, right? And the way we understand identity, who has the authority to issue an identity is, is something that, you know, it can vary age around the globe. You can have different formats, different corporate structures and whatever. But at the end of the day, nothing will identify with each other, right? The reason why we're able to have this conversation online is because we're creating certain level of like online identities that allow us to connect and communicate with each other. Just like going to a specific university or choosing a specific bank or a, a specific brand for your sneakers or whatever it might be. We are just basically subscribing to the ideas and the values of those different identities. Um, what we're seeing now, what we have now, is that in this world that we're moving towards, we need to a certain extent replicate a lot of the infrastructures that we have created for the physical world into the digital environment, right? So we have to have the, the ability to identify creators, to identify people, to identify objects, AIs, uh, companies, interfaces, whatever. We just need the ability to identify to interact, to transact, and all of those different things, right? Then obviously we face, those are like the basic, basic components. And I, I believe, you know, when we are obviously the, the purpose of luck, so it is in the credit economy, it comes from the fact that both Fabian and I, we both met were attending design school. So obviously we have uh, a background in design and art and architecture, and that's kind of like our personal fashions outside of technology or within the way we see the world of technology. But all of those things, they are not exclusive to one specific world, right? At the end, all of these concepts are universal to a certain extent. And it's just to the creators, to the users, to the technologies, to the developers, to basically integrate the different implementations from different use cases, right? And I think the power and the challenge they were faced with the decision around what would be the winning standards, who would be the winning interface, how will be at the end, uh, because we all know where, where we are potentially going to end, but we just don't know exactly how we're going to get there. Yeah. At the end, it will be the community who will decide 
what are the best tools. Like I think at the end, the the tools they are truly decentralized that understand the values of the of the sovereignty and and the independence of the creator and the user, and they have the most amount of flexibility and modularity would be the tools to 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 win and and become adopted. Yeah, it seems like it's both creator and consumer and user centric, but also it is in a way the technology does empower us to get and reclaim our agency. And I think we are about to wrap up, but I believe that Ray has one more question that we could open it up to the um, crowd. All right. Thank you. So for me, utility drives adoption and uh, utility also drives value when it comes to thinking about assets that we value in our life, right? And it seems like NFTs and fashion have enough in common. They're both very creative industries. Um, They have enough in common to have a really nice interplay between each other, right? I know that you're really into fashion, so I'd like to kind of hear from you. What type of potential and synergies exist between high fashion and NFTs? And I'd like to kind of explore that in a dual sense. So what will integration between off-the-rack, high-street fashion and NFTs look like in your point of view? And what will possible integrations between like hot couture fashion and NFTs look like in the future? Or uh, what are some things that you're working on now? Kind of answer either side of that question. Rhea and I are also really big into fashion, so... (laughs) I think everybody, even if it is admitted or not, they're in some shape or form into fashion, is my my assumption. Um, or my personal belief. Um, listen, I think um, in the very near future, every product is going to have a digital identity. We can call that an NFT. I think the way I see it, and you know, something that I, that I address to my team and that, that we have spoken in the past, is a product. A physical product without an identity is going to be like an iPhone without a battery. It is pretty. It does nothing for me. It's kind of almost pointless to have it. So I think in the future, users, and we were very conscious of words. We, we avoid using the word consumer because we believe consumer is a very outdated vision of what we as participants in society and the culture are. Uh, as users, we want to have a certain level of information and the beauty of owning things that we like is to also know where they come from, how they were made, what are the properties, and also entering a relationship with the creator, have information, and then this product can upgrade and have the beautiful properties that a digital assets can have. So the answer is it's very likely every single product in physical reality is going to have a digital identity. Potentially it's going to be very likely it's going to be a sort of NFT. And the way it's going to appear potentially for, for low price, high volume um, products, you're going to have a very simplified version of an NFT that is just, uh, you know, allow you to know supply and very basic information about where the product was made and the transparency and making sure that the values of whether the brand or the creator is acting, they are synced with values of the user. And then for things such as high fashion products, I mean, the premise and the main value proposition of fashion is that you are creating this very unique special products. And by creating a different identity, you can truly communicate that, right? And uh, when we purchase, when we buy something, is, and especially if it's something as special as a high-end fashion product or a high-end lifestyle good, 
we buy it not only for the part of itself, but by all of we buy it as well for all of the material values that are attached to that product, right? And belonging to that community or to that group of people that support and subscribe to the ethos of that brand. So I think some sort of form of digital consumption and the internet entity allows you to demonstrate all of those things, right? So again, that NFT ownership is kind of like we're scratching the surface in terms of what it is. Obviously, art has been the first use case and the main use case and uh, the reasons behind it are very clear what it was that way. But I think as we continue in this progression, we're going to see much more complex products with much complex uh, kind of like data infrastructures that give you access to an array of work utilities and perks and interesting things that are happening when you enter a relationship with, with the brand and with the product. And the reason behind that is when we are owning at Ethernet Entity, when we're owning an NFT, we own a computer program, right? And that program should be able to serve a purpose that is um, that product that has a true futuristic depth. So I think that the answer to that is like everything is going to have a Ethernet Entity, otherwise your brand sucks and nobody will want to have your products. Fantastic answer. I agree with everything you said. And I know, Marjorie, that you do have to go and we may risk your phone dying. But for all of our new listeners, I hope you guys have a beautiful weekend and cheers, everyone. And Marjorie, I look forward to connecting and staying in touch with all Luxo developments and the dematerialized. Likewise. Thank you, guys. Ciao, ciao.